You're listening to the Zoe Turner Podcast, business and mindset conversations that will help you move from fear and uncertainty to development and growth so that you can crush both life and business. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. So on today's podcast, I am speaking with a lady called Nancy Badillo. Her life and story, it's really quite inspiring. She's a mom of every beautiful little boy. Her husband recently had brain surgery while she worked tirelessly to support her family. And in, I believe in March this year, Nancy also left her full-time job so she could focus full-time on her once side hustle, which is selling on Etsy. She first started her Etsy shop in late 2016 because she wanted to write a case study for a blog, making handmade items and selling them on eBay. Now, to date, she has six Etsy shops and she loves making passive income with it. So we're going to be talking about how to make money selling digital products, staying positive in the midst of a storm, and how Nancy lost her job, but she still managed to make 26K in 30 days, which is pretty incredible. So I'm very interested into delving into that and finding out how she did that, amongst any other things, if we decide we want to talk about them. So welcome to the podcast today, Nancy. Oh, thank you, Zoe. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So how are you today? I'm doing good. <laughs> it's pretty early over here where I'm at, but I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. What time is it where you are right now? It's eight o'clock. Oh, and okay. even though for some people that's not that early, but I go to sleep really late because I stay up late working. Yeah. So that's, that's the reason why I say it's early for me. <laughs> well, thank you. So now that is pretty early. Thank you so much for taking the time out. I just wanted to say that today because I know you're pretty busy. So thank you for taking the time out today and for accommodating us on our times over here because I know we're on quite opposite time zones. It's 5 p.m. over here in Dubai. So I know I totally get it. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, let's talk about how to stay positive in the midst of a storm because I think given what's been happening of late, you know, life is always gonna throw us like curveballs and learning how to deal with this Mm -hmm. is crucial really if we're going to stay focused and motivated so what would be kind of your three tips really you know staying motivated can be very difficult like you just said especially when you get thrown so many obstacles or things just happen you know especially with what has happened with my husband I think what has helped me a lot is just to have a good perspective in life. I always think, you know, it could be a lot worse. And mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about your story about what's kind of happened with, you know, recently, your kind of journey with your husband and leaving work and, you know, just give us a, yeah, a little course. bit of a background into that as well. I should have of course. Asked, asked this first. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. So I've been in the digital space for 11 years. I never had the overnight success like other people have. It has taken me years to make money online. I think the first time I made money was like six years in. Before that, I would make like a penny, a dollar here, two dollars there. And that was enough to keep me like intrigued on how to make money online. Mm -hmm. But to be quite honest, it took me a while to make money online. Can I just say one thing? Has anyone had overnight success selling money online? Because it is a long 
long game. It is, yeah. And I think a lot, a lot of people want instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might happen for a person here and there once in a while. But even those people, what I have learned is that they've taken a lot of coaching. They have a lot of mentors. They have gotten faster there because they had the right tools. Yeah. And when I first started, to be quite honest, I fell into it because it was 2007, the market crashed. Mm-hmm. And in 2009, I, was, I had a home. I lost my home. And I just, I heard of people making money online and I was curious. So I started researching it and then I kind of like started enjoying learning about it, but I didn't have money for courses. I didn't have money for mentoring. Back then they didn't have that many courses in 2009, like they do now in 2020. Mm -hmm. So to be quite honest for me, I think another reason why it took me long is because I was all over the place. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I didn't have a product and instead of niching down, I was like, one minute I'm talking about affiliate marketing. The next minute I'm learning about blogging. The next minute I'm learning about social media. The next minute I'm learning about creating a website and flipping it. So I was all over the place, but I'm thankful for those experiences because that gave me a general idea of how to do so many things. I just don't specialize in one area. I could, I know so many things now, but it did take me a long time. And to kind of like fast forward in 2016 or 2014, I got engaged and someone told me, hey, by the way, you should go to Etsy. They sell handmade items for weddings and other things. And I've never heard of them before. So I remember going to Etsy, you know, shopping. And I was like, because I was already a digital marketer, my brain went to, wow, these people make a lot of money. Some were making good money of passive income, which is digital products. And I was like, you know, my brain was like, how can I do the same again? You know, like with my other um, fields, like affiliate marketing, et cetera. So I, like you mentioned, I'm Zoe. I opened my first case study. I really didn't know what I was doing. I'm not a do-it-yourself crafty girl. I don't create stuff. I don't knit. I've never created a t-shirt. I've never done anything handmade. So when I first started, to be quite honest, I opened Word document. I type in a quote. I was doing quotes. So I put in like a quote, Taylor Swift, you know, shake it off, put that quote, saved it, uploaded it to Etsy and sold it as a print mm. because I didn't know how to use Canva, Photoshop. I didn't know anything about these programs that you could use to create, you know, any sort of digital product or I didn't buy licensing to graphics because I didn't even know that was a, a thing. So that's kind of how I started. And my first year I made a little bit over 21000 as a side hustle while still having my full-time job. That's not not a bad side hustle in your first year. Exactly. And I made a lot of mistakes. I'm not going to sit here and Mm. say I didn't because the first six months, I had up to a thousand products or a thousand listings. And then about six months in, I started getting infringement notices. People were reporting me. And I didn't know about intellectual property. I didn't know about, you can't use a quote. Now I know (laughs) a quote from a movie or quote from a song. So I had to restart my whole store again, six Mm -hmm. months in. I took all the listings down. And the reason why I thought it was okay is because I saw everyone else doing it on XC. I saw so many people selling it. I'm like, oh, I could do that because I didn't know how to draw or anything. So I was like, I could do quotes. That's easy. But what I didn't know was that what I didn't know about me, myself was I know how to market myself. Mm -hmm. And because I was getting viewed everywhere, 
I was getting those infringement notices too. So I restarted my whole store and I went into the wedding space. So when you first started on your Etsy, because I had a look through your Instagram today and I have to say, (laughs) I was pretty enthralled with it, like already, like admittedly, it was the first time I'd looked at it today in preparation. Well, I've had a little look before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a proper look. So then I'm kind of like going through it and I'm just, you know, I can tell you're very good at what you're doing and, and you're having quite a significant impact, you know, giving a lot of value and, and helping Thank people. You. And, you know, I spent a bit of time looking at it today and, you know, I was enthralled with a lot of stuff, but I was going over to your YouTube and then I'm clicking on people <laughs> like you've tagged and I'm thinking oh, like there was that inst that I can't remember the lady's name that Instagram expert mm-hmm. what's yeah called? I know yeah so yeah yeah uh-huh. so I'm kind of like getting all over the place but you've got a good following on there and I think for any business and for any any person wanting to set up a business building a platform on social media is crucial I was just talking to my friend about this yesterday because we were saying like me, her, we were saying, we really need to grow our Instagram following. You know, when you're wanting to sell products and stuff like that, you say you were good at marketing yourself. Did mm-hmm. you have a good Instagram following? Were you positioned quite well on social media when you started your Etsy or has it developed? Mm-hmm. It has developed more because like I was saying in the beginning, I was pretty much all over the place. So I didn't have a target audience. I was talking about too many subjects and I was competing with big people like Neil Patel, Pat Flynn, Gary B, people that are way bigger than me. So when I did my Etsy store and I did really well that first year, one thing I noticed was that there weren't that many Etsy coaches. Now there's tons. Mm -hmm. Like four years ago, I mean, maybe five, I don't even know. There wasn't that many and none were giving, well, some were, but not as much value. Like I couldn't find information. I was trying to learn everything to know about Etsy And it was really hard because there weren't that many people. So after that first year that I had success, I told myself, okay, instead of being all over the place, talking about so many different topics, let me change my whole blog, my whole social media, everything to an Etsy coach and helping small business owners because I love that topic. That's when I went from being all over the place to really specializing as an Etsy coach and making sure that all my content, I still talk about blogging and branding, but it's towards small business and Etsy sellers. That's when kind of like everything kind of started taking, like growing. Because once you establish yourself in a specific niche and you become like an industry leader in the niche and you provide a lot of value, everything else comes. The following come, you start getting momentum. Now I'm still a small YouTuber for so many people, that would be big. For other people, they're like, oh, you're still small. But I'm proud of it because XC is very niche and it's a very small community. Like if you become an Instagram YouTuber, you got so much more, so much of a pool, right? But XC is so much smaller. So the growth that I actually have is actually pretty good for the, the niche that I'm in, which is very micro niche. But that's when everything kind of changed for me when I said, okay, I'm going to do content and put myself as an expert in XE. And that was probably the best thing I could have done for my career. That's kind of how everything started growing. I started developing like a following of loyal people before 
some people follow me, some people commented, some people didn't. I had a little bit of following already because I already kind of knew how to market myself. Yeah. But it wasn't like the people were really engaged, engaged. And that's because I was all over the place. And the reason why even now I have a large following, but I get very little likes and very little engagement sometimes on my photos is because a big percentage of those people were following me before I did anything. Yeah. So hopefully in the future, I'll get more likes and more engagement. I'll keep continue growing. Now in my YouTube channel, it's all X, it's always been just XE because I started my YouTube channel with the XE once I switched over. Mm. So that's very engaged because it's everyone in there is XE related or small business. It wasn't like I talked about other stuff before and then I switched it over. So, mm. and that's kind of how like the journey started with everything. I think that's a really important message there to niche. Mm-hmm. I say niche. I don't know if that's the proper way to say it. I think you're saying it right because I always get confused. <laughs> I'm like, is it niche or niche? It, because I hear people, I, I hear more people say niche. So I think you're right. Yes. I, don't know. <laughs> I think we're both right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. So um, I can't remember what I was going to say, what I was saying then. No, it's fine. Uh, but with the Instagram. I, can rem- I can remember what I was going to say. Yeah, there's a very important message there in terms of like niching down with yes with your audience you know and I know I mean it's something that I've known that I should do for years and years and years ever since I started coaching like back in 2005 when I qualified you just tapped into something that I was about to say but you know exactly what you're saying about you were talking about this and that I'm just thinking about again and maybe in many ways what I do and I'm all over the place as well and I think it's not only me there's probably a lot of people who are listening to this podcast yes who are exactly the same and when you were talking then what I was thinking was so what happens if like for instance you've got like two businesses you know which a lot of entrepreneurs do have these mm-hmm. days what I always say a lot of times we we give other people advice. Like we'll say, oh, you want to start a business niche down. You need to be focused on one thing. But then we never do it ourselves. Because I remember even back in the day, I knew this. I would write articles about you need yeah. to niche down, the importance of niching down. And I never took that same advice myself. I don't know why. And I, I thought in my mind, well, you know, if I talk about different topics and, and the broader I go, the more people I will reach. Mm. But it actually is kind of like the opposite because what happens is if you niche down and you become a, an expert in a specific niche, you'll start getting traffic from everywhere. Like Google will syndicate traffic. Like I checked the other day, I did a post. It was about maybe a month ago on YouTube alone. I get 220,000 monthly searches, even though I don't get those views, you know, hopefully one day I will. I get about 220,000 monthly searches for mm. when people type in XE, mm. YouTube recommends me for XE. But the reason why YouTube does that and even Google does that is because I have put out so much content about XE from my blog, from podcasting, from all these different social media platforms that now when people type in the word XE, it syndicates traffic, like it sends me traffic. It says, oh, you want to learn about traffic? Check out this YouTube video. Check out this blog here from Nancy Badijo. Check out this, check out that. So when you look at it in that sense, it is better to niche down because 
if you're all over the place, Google won't know what's your specialty and you won't get that additional drive. And it's almost like if you type in today, motivational speaker on Google, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Tony Robbins come up, right? You didn't type in Tony Robbins. It's recommending you that because he has authority in that niche and is recognizing he's a motivational speaker. You might like him. So essentially that's what you want. And what I say all the time, Gary V said this, and I love Gary V. He says, you first niche down, and it's so true, you niche down, you built your brand around that. And later on, if you want to start adding other elements of other businesses that you have, then it'll be okay because you won't lose your following. You already have a following. You already established yourself. And if you want to start adding, like I want to do um, personal development, I want to be a transformational coach, I want to be in tech talk. So I already started like personal development videos. I haven't done that many. I put some here and there, my YouTube, and those do get a little bit less views, but I could do that now because I kind of have a little bit of an, not established like an expert expert, but I kind of established some type of loyalty with my fan. But in the beginning, if I would have been like XC one day, motivational speaker the next day, video, then the third day I talk about losing weight because that's one thing that I really want to focus on losing weight mental health if I start like mixing it up I'm gonna start losing people because mm-hmm. they're gonna be like I didn't sign up for this I signed up for XE I don't want to hear about your weight loss but if I do that now once in a while and I start introducing it or I start telling my audience hey guys I'm gonna add, be adding more videos about affiliate marketing or I'm gonna be adding more videos about personal development because as an XE seller is so important if I start adding those now I'm not going to lose my audience as much as if I would have done it in the beginning. Mm. I'm not against like having two businesses. I just feel like it's so hard to build one business. It is so mentally hard to build one business, be all over, like, especially if you're a solopreneur, like you're doing everything yourself. So you have to create your content. You have to share it. You have to connect with your audience. You have to market yourself. You still have to find time to do blogging, find time to do, interviews or other things are going to get you more exposure. It's so hard to do that with one brand doing two brands or doing another business on the side. It will really burn you out. And not many people could do more than one. In my opinion, a lot of people do it, but what happens is that something falls out, you know, like something is not going to get a hundred percent attention. Yeah. But I think if you could kind of merge it mm. into what you're already doing it, what are you already doing? And it's kind of related. I think that actually works pretty well. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you're saying about the motivational speaking and, you know, weaving that into your existing yes. content, it's a natural progression because you've proved yourself in the Etsy space. You know, you've proved yourself on what you can do. So you're qualified to talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about kind of about your journey and how you got here because I know it was quite recently you were working full-time and yes and yes. I know your husband's had surgery recently so I assume that's put a lot of the responsibility on you to be the main breadwinner maybe um, mm-hmm. let's just kind of talk a little bit about your journey if that's okay of course so fast forward I started the Etsy store I did really good the first year then I started kind of weaving into, okay, I'm going to do videos. I'm going to switch my whole niche. I did that. And in 2018, April, I gave birth to my son, Jordan. And then in, I want to say maybe like 
September, October of that same year, my husband started getting headaches. And at first I thought we're new parents. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what day of the week is. We're, you know, hangover. We're tired. I mean, we were doing everything wrong with the baby. We sleeping with the baby because the baby won't sleep. I mean, it was just really bad. And my husband is the opposite of me. He's healthy, has a six pack, even though he's like 41, he'll be 41 next week. You know, he works out on a consistent basis. I used to work on a consistent basis before. Even now I still do. I just need to work on my eating, but he's really healthy. That's what I'm trying to say. Overall, Mm. he's the healthiest one out of both of us. So I just thought, okay, you're getting headaches because you're not sleeping. You're not going for your runs. You're not taking extra naps like he normally does. <laughs> There's no more nap time after a baby. So I was like, that's probably why. But then it started escalating. It went from a couple headaches here and there to like three headaches a day, sharp pain. So he went to the doctor. Like he started going to the doctor like November, I think. He started getting all these different exams. They couldn't. They couldn't figure out why. Eventually, they did like MRI and all that stuff. And they said that his brain was swollen. So the part of the back right here on the back of his head was hitting the cranial bone. And that was causing the pain that he was feeling, like the sharp pain, the sharp Mm -hmm. headaches. Mm -hmm. So what they told us is we can't tell you whether he has cancer or what it is until we go in there. But what we do need to do is cut off a little bit of the brain in that area to give it space to breathe because the brain floats in your head and it shouldn't touch your, your bone basically. Mm. And if it does, then that causes like issues like headaches and stuff like that. And they're really aggravated because he'll be holding the baby and out of nowhere, he's like, here, hold the baby because it hurts him so bad. Yeah. By February, we already had a plan of all the things that they were going to do. In April of 2019, they operated him they did a pathology test. We had to wait like six weeks for that. They operated him. They removed a little bit of his scar from his back. It's like really, really big. It's like almost a whole back. That's a huge scar. So it was a very intensive operation. They removed some of the skin. They removed some of the bone. The headaches went away. But with that came other issues. Couldn't barely walk. A lot of slur words. Couldn't write. He does a lot of journaling. He was writing like, you know, like a two-year-old, couldn't barely write his name. Mobility, like walking was really hard because the brain controls everything, Yeah. Oh, you know, as you probably know. So everything was affected. He had to do physical therapy. That first month was like, oh my God, it was just so much because now I am working my full-time job from home. They did let me stay at home, which was really nice with my company. I'm still doing my side hustle. I'm still doing my YouTube, my blogging, my six stores, my groups, mm. my, all this stuff I do. Mm. I have a toddler. <laughs> so that's hard enough as it is. And then also having to take care of my husband and two dogs and mm. kind of like manage all of that. And then, um, the pathology test came back and they said he has a tumor in his brain. So he started like in the first week of May, like six weeks after his operation, he started chemotherapy and radiation. Radiation was first. That was really hard on him. He's 5'10", very slim. So he lost weight. And on him, it looks a lot. Five pounds on me, you can't tell. Five pounds on him, you could tell. Mm -hmm. So he lost, like, I think the first week, like, maybe 11 pounds or something from throwing up so much. It's just really bad experience for him with the radiation. The chemo, he did better than the radiation. 
So then the first month he took radiation and after that he took chemo. He did that for a whole year to May of 2020 this year. He couldn't work. So obviously, like you mentioned, Zoe, I was the one working my full-time job. Thank God for them that they let me work from home and then doing my side hustle as well. And in the midst of all that, in May of this year, they did exam. The tumor is normal now. Unfortunately, the area that he has this tumor, they can't remove it completely because if they would have done that in the operation, he could have died. So they took out as much of the tumor possible, but he still has cancerous tumor in his brain and it will stay there forever. But as long as the tumor doesn't grow and is stable and it doesn't go down his spinal cavity or doesn't show any action, he's fine. So he has to go every three months to get a checkup. Now he's doing really well. He's healthy. Um, he just came back from a run right before okay. I, I connected with you. So it has been. He's running, which is, that's positive. Yes. The good thing about my husband, especially me, I think that we both don't really panic when things happen. Mm. He's, he has a stronger faith base than I do. He's very calm. He's a Libra. Maybe that's why, but very positive. Um, even through the midst of everything, I can't tell you, like, I have the best husband in the world, even him being sick, even throwing up, even through all that, he's still trying to help me not only with my career, but with my son, he never took that opportunity to say, I don't got time for you guys, or I'm miserable, or I'm upset, or I'm mad. Like he never did that. And I admire him for that. He's like the best husband and the best dad ever. Oh. And it, it is like, I don't say that just to emotional. say that. Yeah. And oh, it's bless. emotional for me because you know, Zoe, as an entrepreneur, and I know that you mentioned, you know, you're not married yet, but a lot of people that I talk to, that have spouses, whether it's the female or male, they're not supportive in that person's career. And he's been supportive even after doing this for like years, years of sacrifice, like not hanging out, not going movie night, not let's go have a late dinner. I'm like coming from my full-time job to come home to work six hours extra, but I'm not getting paid for nothing because I'm making so many mistakes and learning and failure and this and that. So for someone to stick with you that long. It sounds like he's, he's always believed in you. Yes, thank you. Which is fantastic. Yeah, and it sounds like you've got a great one there, definitely. It's wonderful yes. to, have, to have that support. Mm-hmm. It makes um, a huge difference. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, God, I'd love to have a partner who, you know, who you could kind of build an empire with, you know, yes. someone who could support you and who's on the same wavelength. I used to say, Zoe, like, oh, I'm doing this by myself because I'm very self-motivated. I really, I'm one of those people I don't think. I just do and then I deal with the subsequences later. Like if I fail, I fail. If I win, I win. I've always been like one of those people. I don't overthink stuff, which is a good thing and a bad thing. <laughs> and I, I used to say, oh, you know, people will ask me, how are you doing all this stuff? You do so much. And I, and I always took all of it. Like I say, oh, it's me. It's me. I'm motivated. I don't, blah, 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 blah. And then in February, his um, grandma had passed away. So he wanted to go. He's from Georgia. So he went to Georgia. And those four days that it was me and my son by myself, it hit me. I'm like, I only could do everything I do because of my husband. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so tired. I remember putting him down to bed and I was yeah. sitting on the couch. I'm like, 
okay, I only could do three hours. I can't stay up late because I can't sleep in because somebody got to get the baby. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I can't do this by myself. So that's when I really realized that the support that he might not support me in the sense like he did my YouTube or editing or this, mm-hmm. but he does so much more in the house and with our son that it does free up a lot more time for me. Yeah. And that many other men or, or women, right? Um, wouldn't necessarily do for their spouses, especially if they're not bringing any money <laughs> Yeah, for many years, you know? Yeah. So I'm very lucky. You know, the last year has been a testament of like, whew, you got to like pull when you don't have no energy, when you're mentally drained, when you're, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. You have the fear that, you know, he might pass away, you know, all these things creep in your head and just having to stay somewhat you know, stable because you still have a son, you still have a regular job. And I was, I did want to mention my job. I was already working on my second course. My first course was a flop. Like I didn't do that great with it. I understand now all the mistakes I made. I wasn't like marketing myself correctly. I wasn't being pushy, to be honest. I hate being pushy and being a salesperson. And you kind of have to be a little bit. I'm not saying you have to go crazy, but you do have to, you can't send one email and then expect to get 80,000 people to join. <laughs> and you, I mean, I worked in sales for 10 years. I was an ex-social worker, child protection social worker okay. in the UK. And then I moved out to Dubai and I got a job in sales and surprisingly did amazingly well. And one thing I remember for that, you just can't be shy about, don't be shy about asking for business. Exactly. And also picking up the phone as well. You know, yes. you've heard of that saying, eat that frog, Brian Tracy. I think he coined the term that eat that frog is, you know, you're doing, do the one thing first thing on a morning that you don't want to put off, you know, like for me, oh, was, I agree with that. it was picking up the phone, you know, the first thing that, oh. that you don't want to do, like the thing that you, you normally put yeah, off and then just like never that. gets done. So I would just pick up, pick up that phone I'd go to the office and I'd spend uh-huh. the first hour on the phone and I was speaking I don't know what how if this kind of works in relation to your business speaking to my friend about this a couple of days ago is that these days everything is done via whatsapp it's done via email no one picks up that phone and no. I think when you're selling and you're building relationships up I mean I don't know if this is going to be pertinent to you and, and what you do but I think just picking up that phone and making the connections and you know like when you get leads and stuff like that it's all important when it comes to selling yeah it is I think like for my own business it might be beneficial too I know I did that last year because when I first did my first course in I think it was October 2019 Mm. I had taken a course on how to create a course basically Mm. and one of the things was creating a list of questions that you send a customer, you you make an appointment with them and you try to sell them over the phone. And the reason why she put that in her course was to kind of break the ice of talking to people. Mm-hmm. I think we live in a lot of people. I realized this myself too. I'm an introvert. And even the the act of talking to someone quenches me. Like I feel like anxiety a little bit. Even though if I have to do it, I'll do it because I'm also like, very um if I have to do something I just do it but even with my YouTube channel if you go back like a year and a half ago like the first I want to say the first two years I never put my picture in the thumbnail I never recorded my face it was all screen recording 
the videos were horrible because I didn't know what I was doing either. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew what I was talking about, just yeah. video recording and all that. I, I was not used to it. So this year I told myself, okay, if I'm going to get people to like me, trust me, buy from me, even though people already kind of knew me, I need to get my face out there. I need to do more pictures of me. I need to do more live videos. I need to do. And that took so much out of me to do that. When I did that, now in every video, I do an introduction of myself first, and then I do the screen recording. Before that, I never did that. So I always tell people, start where you at, and then you'll get better as you go, and you'll get more confident. You know, don't just freeze and say, I'm not going to do it, because I'm glad that even though I didn't have the courage to do face videos of myself on YouTube, I'm glad I started it and then eventually worked myself up to it. But I did a lot of mistakes before. Like you said, I wasn't pushing myself a lot in the sales. I was too timid. I had a large email list because I, ha- I was building it already, but I never did anything with it. That was the problem because I was too scared to sell or they're not going to buy. Even to the point that I self-sabotage myself. We all do it. Sometimes you notice it. Sometimes you don't notice it. But I remember I'm going to create a course about Etsy and making digital products. I created I started creating the course and then I told myself, I don't know why, no one's going to buy this from me. So I did a mini course. There's 18 videos. It's not even a mini course, but you know, mm-hmm. I did 18 videos and I put it on my YouTube channel for free Wow! because I wow. short, I shortchanged wow. myself again. Yeah, exactly. Cause yeah. I told myself, no one's going to buy this. I'll just put it there, build more credibility, build my channel. And hopefully later I'll do something. Mm-hmm. So, that helped me get more views, of course, and get more loyal followers. But we do self-sabotage ourselves. 100%. So then I was like, you know what? A lot of people are responding to these videos really well. So I decided instead of 18 videos, let me do like a real, real course, like the whole thing, like from beginning to scratch. So I started working on that. And it happened to be that the pandemic came, right? And by March 10th, my course was ready. And I was like, okay, I'm going to launch it today. I didn't have no plan. I never have plans, which is I need to organize myself more. But I was like, I'm going to go ahead and launch it and, and go for it. March 10th, I launched it. March 24th, my company I worked for, I was working at a digital agency company doing digital marketing. I worked there for four years and five months. So this year would have been five years, excuse me. So they call me. They're like, I'm sorry, we have to let you go. And I didn't panic. I didn't have anxiety when that happened. I already had a little bit of money saved because of my husband, everything that was going on. Mm. I was practical in that sense that I started saving money. So I'm like, okay, I have a little bit of money saved. We're good. You were the only person bringing an income in at that time. Yes. Uh huh. And I was like, okay, I, then I had to switch my mindset from, okay, I got to stop being unproductive in the sense that I'm doing all these things but not really being productive, productive. Mm-hmm. And like you said with that, the, the gentleman that wrote that book, you said um, about doing one thing every day. I do three things every day. And I always tell this to everyone. I think I subconsciously got this from some book, but I don't remember what book. I'm sure I got it from some book. So I do three things every day that's going to propel my business. I do three things every day that's going to propel my mental health. The three things I need to do. If I do extra for the day, that's a bonus. I stopped with the to-do list. I used to do a to-do list of 50 things. And if I did 48, I still felt like I didn't do enough. <laughs> so I stopped that. 
So now I have the three things that I need to do every day, which is add a new course to the video, because I'm still finishing my course, add a new video to the course, do my YouTube channel, because that's important, because that gives me a lot of visibility, and then work on social media. Those are the three things I do every day. Everything else is a bonus, if I could get to it. So I told myself in March, okay, I got to take this serious now because I'm laid off. This is March 24th. I'm laid off now. There's no more like security of my, you know, I was making money, but good money, but I'm like, there's no more security there. So in one month, because I switched my mindset, I happened to already have my course done, which was perfect timing. It wasn't even planned that way because I didn't know I was going to get laid off. And I just pushed it out and I just started promoting it like with my face talking doing live doing um videos emailing I, I learned about email sequencing I never had an email sequence mm. 11 years never did it mm. because I this big email list but you never utilized it no I would send them like oh I have a new video everything was free but I would never promote any services for two years I built my brand and never really promoted you know I would still get sales I do critiques and stuff like that but I never pushed anything to no one because, like, again, you self-sabotage yourself. You feel like you're not good enough. You feel like no one's going to really buy from you, blah, 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 blah. Fast forward one month in, I made 26000 Wow. And look at how crazy your brain and your self-sabotaging is. One month later, exactly, April 24, exactly, my company called me. And they were like, oh, we got the small business loan approved. I'm not going to say I was the best employer. But I was the best employer in the sense of I give a lot of respect. I go out of my way. I'm very polite. And I think I admire that about myself that I have learned to become that way. I was never that way either in the past. But I think they love me because of that, yeah. most of all. So they wanted to rehire me. And I felt special that they picked me back, you know, because mm. they, could have picked, they didn't pick everyone. And I had panic that month when they called me back. I had more panic than when they let me go. And I was telling my husband. It was like, should I, I go back? Yeah. Like, maybe I'll do another month because I don't know if next month I'm going to make money. And I'm like, maybe I'll do another month or maybe I'll just do both. And, and I had to, like, stop my own self and think mm -hmm. and say to myself, if this was my son or someone else telling me, mom, I made 26000 in 30 days. Do you think I should go back to my job? I would tell them, no, what you talking about? You just made half of what you make a year <laughs> at your job. Why would you go back? Like, why not pursue this more? And I kind of had to talk myself into it. And I had to tell them, you know what? I did so well. I'm just going to pursue this for the first time full time. Mm -hmm. And ever since I'm a six figure seller now on my course. And it was like the best decision ever, even though at that moment I had so much anxiety because there's so much uncertainty with a business, with my husband's health, with so many things that you just self-sabotage yourself. You really do. That's incredible. And it, it's so interesting how things happen, which we think are, are devastating. Well, I know you said you dealt with it with calm and you, it sounds I don't like even just, know how. You just went all in. But, you know, you, you probably would not be where you are right now if they hadn't have let you go. And also, if you weren't brave enough, just to say, right, because it was only one month in and it could have been, like you say, you could have thought, oh, was it just a lucky month? Um, you know, do you know? And yes. you could have quite easily just gone back, but, you know, you had that self-belief. And, yeah, self-sabotage is just, um, it's just a crazy, 
you know, we all do it. And oh my God, yes. And it's interesting because obviously from an outsider, I go onto your Instagram today and I'm looking at your videos and and I'm thinking you come across fantastically. Oh, and you. you know, especially in video content, you know, and your accent for a start, you've got a beautiful voice and you've got a beautiful face as well. So you need to get it out there. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised, especially online. It's hard. You know, I don't say this to discourage anyone. I say this because this is my truth. But, you know, I, I appreciate you, Zoe, for what you just said about my accent. But it can be intimidating because you start comparing yourself to other people that are skinnier or prettier or they sound more intelligent than you. Or they're more articulate or they're, they don't have an accent. And I get a lot of love from my followers and I'm so so thankful but you'll get 99 people that love you and say oh my god you're amazing and you get that one person that says you're annoying your accent is annoying I don't understand you you're pronouncing x incorrectly I get so much of that online who cares (laughs) yeah but it is yeah it it is and it could be like for someone out there that hasn't experienced that Mm -hmm. and they start getting it it could really also paralyze you because what I've noticed, I used to be the type of person, like when somebody says something that bothered them, like if they said I get anxiety attacks, I would be like, Oh, just get over it. It's so easy because I don't get anxiety. And now when I get like teased online, it does bother me. I don't fight with people online. I don't believe in retaliation because it doesn't do anything good for your brand. There's no point. But does it bother me? Yes, it does. And it's a lot easier, I guess, for other people to say, don't worry about it. But I think many of us deal with things differently and, and, and it does get to you. But I think one thing I have learned is that it's easier for people to say stuff online when they don't have to show their face and you just got to push through it. And the only reason why I share that is because what I have noticed now, especially because I have so many people that follow me and talk to me on a daily basis like nine out of 10 people always tell me I want to do YouTube or I want to do life, but I'm so scared of what people will say. And that's why I talk about it more, to be honest, because I want to make people aware, you know, you might not get the experience that I have had that I do get people that are rude or they make fun of you or they try to be funny in a way, but it's not funny because it does still bothers you. But what I want to say to anyone listening that might have this issue that to them is an issue is like what you just said, you know, just do it. The more you do it, the more confident you get. And if you're providing value and if you're doing something you're passionate about, just keep going through it. It's going to happen, especially the more, what I've realized, the more attention you get or the bigger you grow or the more things you do, the more you get it, to be quite honest. And everybody gets it in some different way, I guess, based on who they are or their personality, et cetera. Yeah, 100%. And we do get affected by these things. You know, I know it's easy to say like, oh, don't let it bother you. I remember I started doing TikTok a few months ago and during lockdown, I was doing all these videos like, like with that, you know, and all that. And I I thought they were great. And then I was reposting them to Facebook and I was really proud of them. But I have to say, I spent too much time recording these and just doing takes and takes. But anyway, and they were pretty good. They were quite creative. And then I get a comment from this guy who I don't even know, who was a Uh friend on my Facebook this guy from Hawaii who had made like weird comments anyway. And you know, some people are just kind mm-hmm. of quite blunt. And yeah, they're yeah. Tra- and they just 
I don't know. And like, this guy's a, you know, you could tell he was like late 40s, early 50s. Oh my God, not even and young. Yeah. Exactly. So he should have known better. <laughs> so then I posted this thing on Facebook and he, he made a comment. Um, it was at one of my TikToks. He made a comment about my weight saying that I looked fat in my jumpsuit. And look, I mean, I know that I'm not fat. No, you're not at all. I'm looking at you. I wish I was your size. (laughs) I know that. But you know what, Nancy? I haven't posted another TikTok video. I was doing them every day. I blocked him off my Facebook because I knew he was an idiot. Yeah, you know, and you need to protect your mental health. Yeah, and I knew he was talking a load of crap. But, Mm -hmm. sorry, from my life. No, you're you're fine. Um, I knew he was talking a load of rubbish, but I still haven't posted on TikTok since then. And, it's and that's crazy, why I think this it? is important to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you shared that. Yeah, subconsciously, these little comments and, you know, people really just need to be very careful about what they say on social media. Mm-hmm. Because if you say it to the wrong person that might be going through a lot of stuff and then you make that one comment, it might take them over the edge. You don't know, you know, your words have an impact on people. And one of Maya Angelou quotes that I absolutely love I can't remember the exact quote right now, but it's basically people won't remember what you thought about or what you said, but they always remember how you made them feel. Mm. I know there's people that I work with like 10 years ago that when I see them, I get a good feeling like, oh, I remember I used to work with them. I love them. And there's people that I cringe. I'm like, oh, you're so toxic. I don't want to, don't add me as a friend, but you don't even remember why. Like you don't remember what exactly they said that made you feel that way, but you just feel it, right? Because people remember that. So it's so important that whatever you put online, when people are doing business and, or even if you don't agree with their lifestyle, even if you don't agree with whatever you're doing, I always say people, keep it to yourself. We all have growing pains. We all have growing stages. It's not for you to judge them for where, whatever they're doing, especially if they're doing good like you, like a TikTok video. But there is a lot of that out there. The more videos I put, the more content I put, the more I get it. And I have to sit here and like build my brain. Like mental health is so important. I never knew how important it is, especially when you are online every single day. Mm. Because I never had, even though it was 11 years of me working, I was always in the back end. I never put a picture of me. I never spoke. I never let people know that side of me. So as soon as I started doing that, floods and floods of love and then floods of like just random hateful things from hating to making fun of you to even, I have a video on my Instagram account on my IGTV that someone called me fat. I put a picture of myself mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, you just, you know, I've been called disgusted. I've been called fat. I, you know, it's just horrible because mm-hmm. that could potentially make somebody say, oh, screw this. I'm not doing this no more. This is not worth it. I, what it do you make them stop, you know? Yeah, 100%. What do you do to protect yourself against things like that? Because we know that logically those people are just toxic and they're just idiots. Mm-hmm. But like we say, these things do kind of get to you. Is, are you oh, at but- a stage now where you can just kind of like brush over it and you can just think, okay, this person's like a keyboard warrior? You know? Yes and no. It depends on what they say. If it's like something just out of the blue, like it doesn't even make sense to what I'm saying, I don't take it personal because I'm like, okay, you just, I don't know, talking about something else. Yeah, 
Yeah. But if it's like personal about me and who I am or my accent, that's like the number one thing I get a lot that people don't like or they don't, or they don't. See, I love your accent. Them. It reminds me a little bit of, <laughs> I don't know, I was going to say Eva Long, Longora, but I don't know if she speaks like you, but I know she's kind of like got. Yeah, she's Hispanic. Like, yeah. Yeah. I I, oh, no, that's a good um, compliment. I wish I would look like her, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm completely like, one of those people that really like my husband's like that like somebody says something to him he's good to go yeah. I'm more emotional so maybe that's why I don't know I'm not 100% there yet but I've been like learning more about this and like talking to other people that are bigger than me mm-hmm. and one thing I've noticed from other people that were they were telling me is that the way that they protect their mental health is that they have a team like a social media team or, or someone that works for them and they lay off of social media. So they don't go into social media until their team goes in social media. So their team will go in there, remove all the negativity, yeah. and then leave the positive comments. And then they respond mm-hmm. to those comments. And I was like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. I never yeah, thought about right. that. So yeah. I can't wait maybe next year that I could hire someone that could do that because that's how many of them protect their energy because a lot of them Mm. are way bigger than me and they all say the same thing. It could be 99 great comments and that one comment will mess up their whole entire day. Mm. Or some of them even will go back and forth and they realize it's not even worth it because there's some people that want to do that to bait you, to make you look even worse because now you're going back and forth. So Mm. that's one way that I hope in the future I can manage. But now what I've been doing, if I'm completely honest, what I've been doing, if I feel like it's constructive feedback, I try not to take it personal. I try to listen. I try to say, okay, I could improve in that. And I say, thank you. I'm going to work on that because what you say is a valid point. And I could probably do that on my next video, make it better. Mm -hmm. If it's attacking me in any way, even if it's my accent, I know it sounds dumb, but if I feel like you're making fun of me, you're attacking me, you're antagonizing me you're making me feel stress I just block because that's the easiest way for me to do that because then later on in the future I don't have to see these I used to not block I used to delete the comment and then like three days later the same person did three more posts or three more comments they don't stop for some reason they keep coming back so I used to think I used to get more stressed out now because it's the same person I'm like who's this person I don't even know who they are why they're saying these mean things so there's a reason why there's a block button. And because of the pandemic, because of everything that's going on, because of all the stress that we have at home, especially if you're not working, especially if you're trying to build a, a business from scratch or just trying to learn, it is okay to block someone. Your health comes first before anything, not anyone else. So normally what I do now is I block people, if that's the case, because I'd rather do that than be so stressed out about it. And that's my, that's the truth there. And another thing I have learned is that a lot of platforms, I don't know if you know this, Zoe, you could put keywords in there, Mm. like profanity. You could put like liar, you suck, anything that you think, like you'll start seeing patterns of what people Mm. say about you. Mm. You could put those keywords there. And then if somebody says any of those, the post never comes in. That has helped me a lot too, to be honest, because I don't even see them come in anymore. Yeah. So those are kind of like my two goal strategy, but then also making sure that if it's constructive feedback that I I listen to it as well. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so important to protect your mental health. 
And like going back to what we were saying about video content for all those people like myself included, it's, you've just got to do it and uh-huh. get yourself out there. I know after this podcast, I'm going to take advantage because I put some makeup on. And I, oh yeah, you look very pretty. When you work from home, you never wear makeup and I've done my hair. I've actually dried, so I thought, right, I'm actually going to do some video content because it might be another five days before like my hair's done and I've got my makeup on. You, I understand. It's, it's just kind of like taking advantage of that time. Look, I value your time and I'm aware that we've been on a while, but I know also that I haven't asked you all the questions that I wanted to ask, you know, like about kind of Etsy and, you know, one thing I just do want to touch on is the digital products, the difference between digital and physical products, because you talk a lot about the advantages of selling digital products. Why is that Mm -hmm. so important and why do you think people should focus on that? Well, digital products are great because, um, especially for passive income, mm. and especially now, because mm. for a while, like the UPS and, you know, shipping was like a nightmare. I think a lot of people are still dealing with that because of the pandemic, a lot of people getting laid off. So if you do print on demand or stuff like that, that you have to wait for another company to ship out your product mm. and they let go half of their staff, it's like a delay on everything out there. So Mm -hmm. the cool thing about digital products is that once you create that one product, you can sell over and over and over. Mm -hmm. It has low cost um, overhead. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have boxes of inventory in your home. So a majority of digital products are very easy to get started, very low cost effective, like I just mentioned. And in addition to that, because of the pandemic, they have become even more popular now. Mm -hmm. It's a really great way to make passive income. And I always tell people that want to maybe in the future sell physical products, you could always start, like for me, I have a wedding store. You could always start selling digital products for wedding or for events or whatever type of digital product you want, planners, financial planners, whatever you want. You could start doing that. And once the pandemic is back to as normal as we're ever going to get and things are back to kind of normal, you could start selling them as printed as well as a physical product. So you could transition from digital to physical if you want to do that. You, and you might not want to do that later because it's just the convenience of there's no shipping, there's no labels. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about the package getting lost or tracking it or putting insurance. It's such an easy way to do a business. I think it's one of the cheapest, most affordable businesses that you could do that even if it doesn't work out for you, you won't lose a lot of money, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I love digital products. I mean, my course is a digital product, you could say as well. You create it once. Yeah, I'm going to have to retune it and, Mm -hmm. you know, edit videos and add more stuff to it. But you sell it once. I could sell 20 today if if I could, right? And I don't have to really do anything else besides customer service, you know, stay on top of my Facebook group, et cetera. I think oh, digital products are amazing. I think what's happened with the climate recently with uh, Corona, you know, that's when you did really well with with your course. But I know you just mm-hmm. went all in with it as well. And that too. But, mm-hmm. but I think because of the climate, people more than ever are realizing that, you know, they need to have a passive income stream or they want to replace. They don't just want to kind of rely on their employers. So they're looking other exactly. options. Exactly. So I can see that maybe the climate has probably worked in your advantage. 
to your yes exactly I do agree it has worked into my advantage and you know the good thing about digital products is that even though I'm an XE coach and the product that I sell is gear source XE once you learn how to make digital products you could sell it on XE you could sell it on Amazon you could do an eBay store you could have your own website where you sell digital products. You could sell it anywhere. So it's not necessarily just on one platform. You could, so you can sell your digital product on Xe. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, that's, because that's all I sell on, on Xe. Xe is my marketplace where you can sell handmade items. Yeah. So whether it's a physical product mm-hmm. or a, a digital product, it's still considered a handmade item because you make the item. Yeah. As long as it's not a service. So you can't do virtual assistant as a service. But if you create a sign, they say you create a wedding sign for someone. That's a handmade product. Okay. What's your wedding business on Etsy? What do you sell in relation? I sell everything. Now, this year, my wedding stores didn't do that great because of the pandemic. Yeah. It did take a hard hit. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, it didn't do well. However, my, my wedding store, that's the reason why I started doing weddings is because I went from quotes and then I got all those infringements that I was telling you. Mm-hmm. So then I switched and I was like, well, I'm going to do like weddings because I'm not going to get any infringement on that. So I did weddings. So I sell wedding signs, table numbers, tag, thank you tags, regular like wedding signs. Like welcome to our wedding, Jennifer and Matt, like those big signs that you put in front of the, like when people walk in into your banquet, my, I sell anything and everything. I can't even think of banners for weddings like where people take pictures mm-hmm. and these all digital products i don't ship anything out i i create the product i do a mock-up right so i create a mock-up of how the sign will look you order the sign you give me your information so zoe and matt are getting married uh may 2021 you give me the information i edit the information i save the file as a jpeg and a pdf I, well, first I send you the proof. You say, oh, perfect. It looks great. My name looks great. My husband's name looks great, blah, blah, blah. Once they approve it, you, um, I save the file as a JPEG and PDF, and I send them through an email the files. They download the file. They save it on a, a hard drive or a thumb drive. They take it to whatever printing service, depending on the location, Kinko's, FedEx, Costco, wherever you are in the world. That's another thing about digital products. You could sell to anyone around the world. Mm. When you sell physical products, you have to consider it's a, a good thing to sell to someone in Dubai. So the shipping is going to cost an arm and a leg. Or you say, good to sell to someone in Brazil. You know what I mean? Like you have to really figure that out. And that Digital products doesn't matter. Yeah, that was one of my questions to you mm-hmm. about, you know, is Etsy good for people selling internationally? Like It depends on your product, to be honest. If you have a high ticket product mm. that you could still want to pay yourself to charge for the time that you created the item and three still have profit left after you paid yourself and you calculate your materials mm-hmm. and the cost, then it is a good one. But if you are not paying yourself, mm. you're not calculating your material and your cost, like shipping everything that it took mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. do that. And you don't have money on the site profit. Profit is not how you pay yourself because you already calculated that in your pay profit is the leftover money that you get to put back into your business a lot of people do it the wrong way they don't even calculate you know they just say okay i think i'm gonna sell this for ten dollars but they don't calculate their own pay what they should be paying themselves hourly or 
half an hour if it took you whatever Mm -hmm. but if you're making enough money still left with profit then yeah shipping is fine even if you ship internationally somewhere far but there are stuff that maybe you sell for I don't know $9.99 that might not be worth selling there because or selling you know you could do local maybe but if you send it somewhere else it might cost you more in shipping than you made so you got to play it by what you sell. Some people do really well because they have high ticket items. Other people just do like US or UK only or wherever they at because it's just too costly to ship outside of that. But they do ship internationally too though. Yeah. I did have a question then. I thought, right, that's going to be my next question. That's the thing. You should never do that. You should never do that because I forgot it. And it was going to be my last question and I completely forgot what it was. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, So I'll leave that one. I'll remember in a minute. Nancy, it's been a pleasure speaking to you and definitely giving us a lot of value today. Thank you. Yeah. Let me see. How long have we been talking for? Like, literally... Oh, I don't know. Like an hour, maybe? Well, it's, yeah, about an hour. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I feel like I could talk to you all day, honestly. Oh, um, you're so sweet. So, yeah, look, it's been lovely speaking to you. And thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Where can people find you? I think the best place is just heading over to my blog, mm-hmm. nancybadijo.com. Mm-hmm. And I have all my services there. I have my contact information. If any of your listeners want to get started on XC, I have a lot of free information as well. I provide so much free information on my blog and you'll be able to find my YouTube channel there as well. So Yeah, yeah. No, I've been on your YouTube and it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, if there's yeah, anyone out you. there who's interested in kind of starting a side hustle and has maybe mm-hmm. thought about it but didn't know where to start, then definitely head over to Nancy's YouTube and her Instagram and you'll get like a whole load of value um, <laughs> thank you thank you so much Nancy. it was a pleasure um, thank you Zoe. on the podcast today appreciate it thank you thank you guys have thank a good you. one